Amen. How many know it's good to have in-laws? How many have outlaws? Amen. We're going to so open up our slide. We pray for our in-laws and our outlaws, and God is good all the time. We're going to open with our PowerPoint here. Today we're going to be talking about resurrection power. How many enjoyed last Sunday's service? Amen. That was powerful, mighty man of God sharing the word of God. It was awesome. It was holy. Um, today I'm going to be talking about part of my message. We'll be talking about two tombs and I'll open with a story. It was a couple years ago and it's a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon actually, and I'm super excited. It's a nice crisp day outside, sunny, beautiful. I get my gym clothes in the gym bag. Uh, I get in my car and I'm driving and I go to the gym over there in Imperial uh, down South Bay and I'm driving and there's a, a cemetery right there and I'm, I pull up and it's taking 5, 10, 15 minutes to get into the gym. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what could be happening at the gym that takes 15 or 20 minutes to get into the gym? And then I'm looking and I realize as I get to the point of the traffic light that it is not the gym that they're going to, it's going to the cemetery. And then I say, what's happened? I said, it looks like everybody and their father's there. And then I think, today is Father's Day. I said, oh my God, it's Father's Day. They're all saying respects to their fathers. Today we're going to be talking about death, the grave, and resurrection power. The first thing we're going to talk about, the first grave. How many of them, the first, everybody say the first grave. The Bible talks about, the Bible talks about in, well, that didn't turn out very well at all. It says, the Bible talks about, thou shalt not go ahead and eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and even. For the day that you eat, you shall, you shall surely die. You're going to die. Now, did Adam and Eve die when they ate the fruit? They did not die. How many years did Adam, Adam live for 900, uh, uh, 930, I thought it was 936, but (laughs) they did not die instantly, but what happened inside of them, they died spiritually. Turn next slide. And what we have Romans chapter six, uh, 23 for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. How many know people that are working overtime for their wages? But what we see here is that we see first there was a garden, the Garden of Eden, which Adam and Eve were in there and that they were at a time. But when they partook of the, of the tree of the knowledge of, of, of life, that they partook of the tree, that they died. So we have a picture of a garden to a grave. Say that with me, a garden to a grave. So man... And women, they're celebrating life. There's new things happening. They're excited. But they go ahead and they partake in sin. And when they partake of sin, something happens on the inside of them. They don't die instantaneously. They die spiritually. And they go into a grave. Next slide. But I'm here to tell you about a second grave. In... There's a tomb that's dedicated 
to Muhammad and is famous for the bones that are there. And Westminster Abbey is famous for the royalty and the knights that have died and have gone on and the people are excited about it. And there's a tomb of the unknown soldier that gave his life for this country and, and, and fought violently. But I'm here to tell you about another tomb that's famous because somebody's not there. And his name is Jesus. We're talking about a second grave. I want you to say that second grave. Next slide. And we see here, when Jesus died, we just got through celebrating Resurrection Sunday. We see the grave where Jesus was put in, but then Jesus goes from the grave to a garden. Next slide. How many know that you're going to get upgraded in your, in your paradise experience? How many know that, that uh, yes, there was a paradise in the Garden of Eden, but for those who know Jesus Christ, there's a paradise in heaven. The Bible says that tongue, a man cannot, Paul went up into heaven and he said this, that it was unlawful for him to speak of such things. That it was so profound. Next slide. It says this, Jesus says, truly I tell you today, you sh-. he was over here talking to a, a, a criminal on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. Somebody say paradise. I mean, it may be good where you're at. You might be able to be living Bonita. Go ahead and eat lobster and crab, but nothing's going to matter when you go to heaven. Amen. Your your body, you'll take on immortality. You'll drop 50 pounds and your teeth will be white. Somebody say amen. Amen. All your bills will be gone. Your loved ones will be there. Jesus will be there. Streets of gold. Streets of gold and angels singing. God's standing. There is no need for the sun to shine because God himself will be with us and he will give his glory. John 14, 2 and 3 says this. I go in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. God is preparing something. You know, he's been working on that. So first of all, how long did it take for God to make all of creation? Six days. He's been working on that ever since this time. So tongue cannot tell. Nor can you understand what God has prepared for those that love him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Next slide. So the title of my message is Two Graves, Two Gardens, and Two Trees. What we see is here a transition from Adam and Eve in the garden going and dying Then we see Christ at the grave being crucified and put into that tomb. And then he resurrects and he goes into the garden. And then later on we'll be talking about two trees. Next slide. Adam and Eve. The Bible talks about a theological concept. It's called the law of first mention. Here Eve has her encounter with Satan. Next slide. 1 Timothy 2.14 says this, And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was deceived and foul in transgression. You ever been in a place of paradise, things were good, and the devil show up? The devil devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to rip things off. And he comes to man and woman at the beginning of time, and he wants to do something. Next slide. He wants identity theft. Everybody say identity theft. For he came to Moses. 
Moses, he, he messes with you so you don't know who you are. Moses is over there. He was a deliverer. He knew he was strong. He had a mission. God had plans for him. And God wants to do something mighty in his, in his heart. So he goes ahead and he tries to take it himself. He tries to make it himself. So he tries to deliver Israel by himself. He goes over there and there's two Israelis fighting uh, against each other. He says, don't do that. And then another Egyptian comes on the scene and he strikes him. Moses strikes him, kills him, and buries him. And later on, because of that, he's got to flee. And the next 40 years of his life, Moses is a defeated soul. So you can have a calling on life, but unless you have an encounter with God, it doesn't mean anything. When Moses stands in front of the Lord and the Lord says, Moses, I have a mission for you. I have a plan for you. Moses says, who am I? Who am I? Everybody say that. Who am I? David stands in front of Goliath, stands in front of the king, stands in front of Saul as Saul's hunting him down. And he says, who am I? The devil comes to Christ in the temptation and he goes over there and he's tempting them. The devil's tempting them. The devil's tempting them. He's pushing them. How many have ever had the devil tempt you? The devil tempting him. The devil pushing him. And, and, saying that, and then he, the devil has the goal to walk up to Christ and says, if you're the son of God, if. He challenges his identity. Next slide. I'm going to have my wife read that. John chapter 20 verses, uh, the verses there. Can you read that, Ruth? Hold up. <laughs> but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she bent down to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and the other at the feet. Woman, why are you weeping? they asked. Because they had taken my Lord away, she said, and I do not know where they have put him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you weeping? Jesus asked. Whom are you seeking? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him off, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Everybody say Mary. I'm going to have DJ come up over here. DJ, you here? Somebody find DJ and bring him down over here. And have him play, play softly. So he said, Mary. Christ, why would God, why would Jesus Christ, this is important. Jesus, he comes up out of a resurrected Savior coming out of the tomb. And the first person he meets is Mary. Next slide. What happens is. We see that, next slide after that. We have a situation coming where Satan came to Eve in the? Satan came to Eve in the? Jesus comes to Mary in the? In the garden. In the garden. Why? Because Mary got ripped off. The devil came and stole her identity and stole all of man. He lied to her. How many has ever had the devil lie to you? 
rip you off. Slide before this. Jesus came for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which lost. See, what happened is Jesus is going ahead and trying to address what's happened to the life of Eve at the garden. Jesus comes to Mary to address the loss in her life. Next slide. Jesus is meeting Mary. Next slide. We see what happens in the garden. Genesis 3.23. So the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground which he had been made from. The Lord banished them out of the Garden of Eden and sent Adam to get a job from 9 to 12. That's it, guys. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to, it all happened at the garden. Vanished. Next slide. This is what happened at the garden. And the Lord spoke a curse on them. And he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth. How many has ever been with your wife when she gives birth, huh? I remember my wife. Now, I'm strong. I can lift weights. And I like intimidating the young men at the gym. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but I am holding my wife's hand when she's giving birth. And she's going, mm, and I would just, we're like arm wrestling. I'm like, come on, baby. Come on. So I'm doing, I'm like, all day and all night drinking cola. And as the attractions get deeper and deeper, she comes over there and she goes, Oh, baby, what's going on? And she pulled, she, it hurts. All the women said, amen. Verse 17, and the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life it will struggle to scratch it. How many identify with that? Cursed earth. It's natural for things to break apart. If you don't plant any seeds, do you get a garden? What do you get? Weeds. Verse 18, and it will grow thorns. Verse 19, and the sweat. Brother, brother, sister, you're going to sweat. Next slide. But then Jesus, but then Jesus comes to Mary in the garden and says this. John 20, 17, go and tell my brothers, I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. In other words, woman, I am coming to address. Women have been looked down, abused. In that day, they were looked down like almost as cattle. They were, uh, they, they didn't, even in this country, we didn't have, they didn't have a right to vote until the 1920s. Women been oppressed. Women's been depressed. Women has been put, subjugated. And women have been put down. But here we see that Christ comes now after Eve has been stolen from light to in the garden. Now Christ comes to Mary in the garden and says, you know what? I'm going to be the first one to tell you. I'm sending you on a mission. You're the first evangelist. I have a mission for you. I have faith in you. I believe in you. I'm here to speak to you and give you hope. Next slide. First garden. They're banished. Second garnish. Jesus comes. Next slide. First garden, 
angels. Angels showing up, kicking you out. You ever been kicked out of someplace before? Kicked out from the heavenly father. Angels saying, I don't have a prophetic word for you. I got a word from God. Get out. Jesus coming to Mary in the garden, the second garden, and says, you know what? I love you. I believe in you. I have a mission for you. I'm reaching out to you. Next slide. In the first garden, man is called a sinner. You sinner. You don't have... But not only a sinner, but inside of man is a nature of sin. He's dead to God. Second garden, he's risen, and God calls him now a saint. Next slide. First garden, man, Adam, and Eve are hiding from God. Second garden, Jesus says, tell my disciples that are hiding. I'm looking for them. Somebody say hallelujah. Next slide. Do we ever get DJ? Oh, no, go back one slide. Everybody say undo. You know, when you're a young person, you probably won't ever, you don't have anything to undo. But when you get old enough... And all the saints say, amen. Amen. There might be something that you might want to undo. One of my coworkers has a relative, and the guy is an elder in the church. 20 years an elder in the church. He got in an argument on the freeway, and the elder pulled off the side of the road and had a knife and stabbed somebody to death over there on Highway 54. And he's an elder in the church. Don't you think if he had his ability now as he's looking to spend time in prison, that he, if he had a button, he would click undo. And you see here in the life of Adam and Eve, they walked with God, they talked with God, but something happened in the garden. When Christ comes to Mary in the garden, He comes and presses the undo button. And he restores that which was lost. He restores the fellowship. He restores hope and joy. How many know that Adam and Eve were cursed, but now Christ comes and says, I will bless. Ever heard that song from Tony Braxton? It says, unbreak my heart. Unbreak the heart. By the way, I can't sing, so you're not going to hear me. If somebody say hallelujah, I'm not going to sing that. Unbreak my heart. Let me uncry these tears. Anybody here ever have tears that you want to uncry? Anybody, he- Anybody here? I know we're all good church person. We've got our best clothes on. You're smelling great, and you got your Bible right there. You're wearing your white suit. Your teeth are shiny white, and you just eat a Tic Tac for Jesus. And you're standing over here. And, uh, 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 but for the rest of us,
but for the rest of us who would like to reach over and press, undo. If you could just erase the last hour, if you can just erase the last day, if you could just erase the last... It seemed good. It seemed right when I was doing that, but now I'm cursed. Now I'm divorced. Now I'm bankrupt. Now I'm sick and I'm dying. Now I'm lost. Oh God in heaven, this day after, this week after Resurrection Sunday, come and visit us with your resurrection power and press the undo in our lives. Let me tell you a story. The story is, it's a Dwayne Miller. He's a man of God. And he's been trained all his life to be a man of God. And he's studying in the seminary. And he, uh, he went ahead and he is applying himself. He's a pastor of a mega church. A, uh, um, a Baptist mega church. He's doing really, really good. And he's doing really, really fine. And one Sunday he comes in and he has a cold. He has a virus. And as he comes and he starts to speak, he realizes his voice is, is, is raspy. And the next Sunday, he, uh, he goes, you know, it's, it's getting worse. And, and he, he, he goes to the doctor and, uh, and says, you know, I, I can't preach anything. I need to take a little break. And, and he goes and he sees one doctor, two doctors. And before you know it, he's, talk, he's talked to 60 specialists because he's lost his voice. Oh, he, he, he can actually talk, but it's graspy and it hurts him. He says that there's pressure on his throat. And the experts tell him over the course of another year that this virus has attacked his voice, his vocal cords, and destroyed them. And here you have a man of God who's trained all his life to preach and to teach and to admonish and, and his life's calling to minister in the house of God. He's got to kind of have to talk. Somebody say amen. amen. And now it's taken away. So he tells the church and he goes, church, I love you, but I can't pastor you. I hate I lost my voice. So he leaves the ministry. He moves to another city. His wife is there. He has to get another job. He's working now with his hands. He's depressed. He's sad. He's he given up with the chance of ever ministering again. And then this one Sunday, he's involved now with another church. It's a large church. And over 150 people, and they've asked him to go ahead and teach. And they go ask him to preach. They know that he's depressed, and he's, he's been blue and fighting depression for a long time. But they say, can you go ahead? And they mic him up. They mic him up because, and it's one of the few uh, uh, services that's mic'd, because there are so many people that if anybody misses it, they want to have a chance to go ahead and listen to the audio tape. So it's about three four minutes long. I want you to roll that. And then as soon as he's done talking, I'm going to come up here. All right. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all 
diseases. Let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment I'm not quite sure what to say or do <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I He redeems my life from the pit. <laughs> and crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger 
Lord is abounding in love. The Lord will not accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's mercy. Or repay us according to our iniquities. That's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. Somebody say amen. I'm going to have the lights back on. Some on now, somebody. So what happens right after that, this man is miraculously healed. How many caught that? Right as he was talking, I was kind of shy. I'm going to have the musicians come up over here right now. And actually, to me, as a Pentecostal, I, how many believe in healing? How many believe in healing in this Presbyterian church? How many believe in a God of miracles? How about this? How many believe in a God of second chances? A God who can press the undo button. Next slide. We're going to talk about two trees. Next slide. First tree. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, a tree. Everybody say first tree. Second slide. Second Corinthians. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. The resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in you. The same God of second chances that came to Mary and restored that which was stolen now comes to us and presses the undo button. Next slide. First tree, death, sin, pain, hell, Satan, bondage. Second tree, life, righteousness, joy, heaven, God, liberty. Next slide. Let's all stand right now. So today, this second Sunday after first service, a couple weeks after Easter, one week, God still wants to resurrect something in your life. God wants to press the undo button. There's somebody I'm talking to. I don't know who it is, but God wants to give somebody, I don't know who, but a second chance. He's come to somebody who's made a mistake, and he wants to make, as it says, if any man be in Christ, I'll make you a new creation. He wants to do something new in you. And I know that you're religious and you're holy, and you know John 3.16, but have you been made new again close your eyes and we're going to have the choir lead us in a song choir